Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, this month we had asked our patrons to choose our next theme month, and we whittled it down over two separate polls. I think we had a really long poll. We took it down to the top three, and then we asked them again. And what our patrons wanted us to do for the month of February was remakes. You know, actually, I think we had done uh, one year we did sequels. Uh-huh. For the month of February, being like the second month. Because <laughs> we're clever like that. <laughs> Back when we were trying to be clever, right? <laughs> Back when we did more theme months. This is kind yeah. of our first theme month in a while, I, I think. Know. So uh, anyway, it was really fun to do it. So we stacked up a whole pile of possibilities anyway for us to do that are remakes. Of course, we've done quite a few remakes already on this show. And one question that we did have that we posed to our patrons was, there's remakes and there's reboots, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Does it matter if we do reboots? What's the difference? Looking at the chatter on our Patreon page, uh, it looks like our patrons decided, no, they really want us to do remakes and not reboots. Yeah. A- which, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And No, it's totally fine. And they're right. Reboots are different. It's just... <laughs> These days, it's almost like sometimes you don't even it's know. It's almost always and, reboots. Well, right, but you don't even know until you actually are in the seat. You know, like uh, the ones the ones that I mentioned on the Patreon account. I mentioned uh, specifically Candyman, Hellraiser, and Wrong Turn. You know, they they're identical in title. I feel like they're kind of advertised as remakes, but then. Mm-hmm. When you actually see them, the ones specifically that I just mentioned seem to exist in the same world as the original, but they're new stories. So they technically are reboots, but there have been a lot of cool ones coming out. So we may just have to, you know, another month (laughs) for reboots. Yeah. Because the people have spoken. (laughs) Right. A remake is when they take the original movie and more or less follow a similar plot line. Of course, they often make changes. Right. But more or less tell the same story. And a reboot is usually when they do something drastically different with it, right? Right. Either a different plot or they're kind of reimagining the characters or reimagining the scenario or something like that. Right, right. And and I don't know. I'm interested. What are your thoughts on remakes? Because I feel like it's really polarizing. I think people are like fans or they hate them. Well, I think it depends on the movie, really. You know, the more iconic and well-regarded a movie is, I think the more I think a remake can be stupid. Uh (laughs) Like, you know, why take a really wonderful movie that everybody universally loves and thinks is great and then try to make it again? But then I also feel like there are films that had promise that for one reason or another, and you know, we talk about this a lot on this show, that there's some films that really on paper should have been really great. Uh And just due to the circumstances, the money available, maybe the acting talent, the budget, whatever, things just kind of didn't work. And we've, we've even said to ourselves, God, like, somebody needs to just take this and remake it. Yeah. With a bigger budget or, or better people behind the camera or in front of the camera, better special effects, things like that. And so I like to leave room for that, you know, even I maybe even with a film that's highly regarded, I, I, th- I still think sometimes there can be room for remakes. I think I'm a little liberal on that, although I do roll my eyes at some of my favorite movies being remade. I know. Honestly. So maybe I'm a bit hypocritical. <laughs> well, no, I, I think you feel pretty much the same way I do. There are some movies that we just have kind of such an emotional connection to that it just feels like a sacrilege to touch it. I kind of felt that way about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Like that oh God, that yes. movie was so the original with Gene Wilder was so amazing and such a big part of my childhood. And then, you know, just objectively, the Johnny Depp one is garbage. <laughs> it really is. Oh my God, it's, it's so just garbage. A hot mess. So there are ones like that that, you know, I say leave it alone. But you know, again, that's I'm not being uh, fair or objective. Generally, I'm of the opinion, you know, go ahead and remake it. The original is still there. You know, it's not like yeah. you're erasing the original by remaking it. If I like the remake, great. If I don't, whatever. The original's still there. And every once in a while, even iconic movies that I would say, ah, don't remake that, then they get remade and I'm impressed. Like, off the top of my head, 
King Kong. The the Peter Jackson one is the one I'm talking about. Oh, right, about. right. The original from the, what, 30s or whatever is is great, and I love it for what it is, but Peter Jackson's King Kong I just thought was kind of a masterpiece. Like, I, it's a, it's a movie about a giant gorilla, and at the end of that movie, I am weeping. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, I am an emotional wreck at the end of that movie. So, you know, they can be good, and they can also be awful. When I heard that they were doing a Nightmare on Elm Street remake, uh, first of all, Robert England is still alive. Just wait. Like, just hold off a minute. Right. (laughs) But, I don't know, I was willing to give it a chance, and I did, but it was terrible, and I hated it, and I just prefer to think that it doesn't exist. But I have every, you know, I can do that. I can just pretend it doesn't exist, and that's (laughs) fine. The original's still there. So, you know, I don't, some of them are good, some of them aren't, just like any movie, I guess. So I don't really have strong opinions one way or the other. Well, when the remake is really poor, then it just serves to point a more glowing finger towards, you know, the original and kind of show you why it's so great. Maybe get a better appreciation for the magic of the original when you see how difficult it is to actually remake it in a quality way, right? Well, and I think that, a part of, you know, the objective, well, a big part of the objective behind remakes is profit. You know, they want to cash in on a already familiar name. Um, but I also think that it's about introducing f- films and stories to new generations, which I do understand and appreciate. We, we've talked about this before, too, how it kind of makes us sad that <clears throat> young people won't experience or appreciate some of our fav- favorite movies just because in their eyes they're old. Yeah. And I get that and I get wanting to bring those stories to new generations. I I still nostalgia makes me sad and and want them to just enjoy the originals. But um I I I think that sometimes it works because the movie that we chose for this week, I don't think that I would have ever watched the original had it not been for this remake and I'm ultimately happy to have seen both i like them both yeah i this i think time right has something to do with it like i think that a movie from the 80s particular movies from the 80s you know putting aside like fashion choices and music choices and things like that they don't feel as dated even watching them today you know the gap is a little narrower than say remaking king kong you know black and white movie very very different time very very different aesthetic special effects oh yeah even very different filmmaking aesthetic really and so to remake a movie like even this one from the 50s i think what was the last what was the last movie that we saw where i felt similarly where the original Although a good movie, I, I really enjoyed The Blob. I used to watch it growing up, actually. That's My what dad we're doing, by it. the way. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> we, we forgot to mention it. All right. Yeah, it's, ni- it's, it's a 1988 remake of the 1958 film The Blob. And this, this was actually, the 1958 version was Steve McQueen's very first uh, role. Uh-huh. And it's so funny because he's playing a teenager, but the guy's obviously, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> obviously not a teenager. Right? He looks older than some of the teenagers in in the Friday the Thirteenth movies we watch. <laughs> but it's he's charming. Um. Anyway, I grew up with this movie. I probably watched it three or four times. My dad had it on VHS. It was exactly the kind of movie he'd have on VHS. The original you're talking about? The original, yeah. It's just kind of goofy, silly fun. Uh-huh. Very much a product of its time, very dated. And like a lot of these 50s-style, low-budget uh, sci-fi horror movies or whatever, they were aimed for the drive-in circuit, uh-huh. mostly for teenagers. They had those elements in there. Like, this is like, if you watch the trailer for this movie, they're like, the drag racing and the making out teens and, you know, stuff like that. And then, of course, the running and screaming from the blob in the theater. There's not a lot of blob in it. There's a lot of talking that happens yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to fill out the time. <laughs> yeah. And I think just a few weeks ago, we we did something similarly where there was an older movie that uh, we had done the remake of, and I was like, yeah, d- don't bother to go back and watch the original, because it's, it's mostly right. talking and philosophy of science and stuff Village like of that. the Damned, yeah, yeah. That was it, yeah. It, it's funny, though, because um, I couldn't remember if I had seen the original or not, uh, so I watched it again this week, 
and I think that I had seen it, but a long time ago. But I just thought, I just thought it was so charming. Like it was so, <laughs> it was so cute and quaint, and I just really enjoyed it. They could have cut it down to about a half an hour, I think. Yeah, because <laughs> to a half an hour or by half an hour, it, <laughs> either. Because <laughs> there is a lot of like unimportant talking. Like there's there's a main boy and a girl who you know. <laughs> are up against the blob or whatever. But then there'll be 10 minute scenes of them just talking to other teenagers. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, it doesn't advance the plot at all. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, you know, drive in fair, like, okay, go get a snack. You've got 10 minutes. You got time. Yeah. <laughs> for something before you see a blob on the screen again. But well, I did, I did think that it was really mm. cute. Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. In fact, you know, I, I, I like this one too. I, I like this remake. I think, it's got a lot going for it. And in many ways, especially from a 2023 perspective, this is kind of quaint also. Mm. In some ways. As I was watching it, but yeah, in some ways, but like as I would, it also is clearly a throwback to this era and this style of movies. Like, you know, these 50s, 60s um, B movies. It's definitely a throwback to that. Yeah. And it's kind of got that kind of charm. Um, but, as I was watching it, I, I was thinking, um, I feel like it could be good for kids based on the story. Yeah. But unlike the uh, 1950s one, there are some really, really cool and good special effects uh, in in this remake that potentially could be disturbing to kids. Like, you would have to decide if your kids are sensitive to that kind of thing because there, there are some really cool, gross blob kill effects in this movie, which I really liked. Oh, it's a, it's really great. You know, the original doesn't have any of that in it, really. It's kind of just a big gelatinous glob. And uh, this uh -huh. movie takes it and goes, all right, now let's let's really go for it, you know? Let's let's show this blob wreaking havoc on people and what it does to people and how it dissolves them. I think um, the way that they conceptualized it was, was an inside-out vampire stomach. <laughs> yeah. They said, where it just, like, this, this big thing that it kind of has acid in it as well. So as soon as it starts touching you, it starts dissolving you. And uh, I think that's cool. It's not far off, actually, from the, what the original filmmakers uh, of the original had said. You know, I think the original is kind of interesting because you had said this is a cool concept, right? Yeah. And it is. And like you said, it's good gateway horror because it's it's very simple. But it's also a bit different, especially for the time. The original was made by a company that did religious movies called Valley Forge Films. And, uh, you know, one of the producers who helped this most these got these people mostly like a congregation or so you know they just wanted to spread the word and they did a lot of spreading the word but they were kind of starving he said they said for it and so this methodist minister uh named uh irvin yeworth came up with this idea uh for the blob and the reason that he came up with it apparently was because he had there had just been and i never heard of this before but there had just been a newspaper report of some guys in Pennsylvania that had discovered something called star jelly. Do you know about this? No. All right. So I looked this up and I got down some rabbit holes on star jelly. But apparently, <laughs> apparently this has been referenced since like the 14th century in literature. This idea that shooting stars or meteorites after they're seen, like the next morning, you'll find gelatin type stuff on the ground. It's this kind of phenomenon that people report finding, and there's a number of scientific explanations for it. It's basically, obviously, people aren't finding, there's no correlation between any jelly. You're going to find on the ground any meteor in the sky. <laughs> but, like, when you're out walking in the morning, you might find, like, uh, this stuff that frogs puke up or, like, special funguses that end up kind of gelatinous and whatever. And this report, anyway, in Pennsylvania, is apparently a few guys in the woods found this very large disc of this jelly and they thought it was extraterrestrial from a ufo and they went and they picked it up and it kind of just fell apart and more or less dissolved as they were handling it and so he took this idea like why don't we just do this because he was very uninterested in a guy walking around in a suit or some kind of monster walking around that everybody kind of seen before some humanoid creature 
And so I don't think this had really been done before in film. Um, I thought it was kind of a nice original concept. And yeah, it made them a ton of money. Like the budget for the original was $110,000. Um, Paramount bought it for like $300,000, put another $300,000 into it for um, promotion. They showed it as a double feature in drive-ins. It was strict drive-in fare. It was like the second on a double bill. Uh-huh. And uh, it it made $4 million bucks. Yeah. So they flipped it and made it the the top bill, yeah. And to this day, like, uh, you know, it, it, it's considered to have been wildly successful. There's even a blob fest yeah. every year. Did you, did you read about that? <laughs> I did. It's like it's in the town that they fit like it's in the town that they filmed it in. Right. Mm hmm. The original. Yeah. It, it, the Colonial Theater, the, the movie theater, because the, one of the most iconic things of that movie, which which the remake does do as well, is uh-huh. when the blob just like takes over the projection booth and then just starts growing and oozing out of the booth over all of the patrons in the theater, which you have to imagine was something that they threw in there to kind of get the theater patrons who are watching the movie kind of freaked oh, out. Oh, sure, right? sure. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, and yeah, and then that that theater is still there in that town where they shot it, and so they try to capitalize on it and try to preserve this historic theater by raising money and through this blob fest every year. It's been going on for like twenty three years or so. So think about that. That movie still has fans, and, and this one too. <laughs> crazy, right? <laughs> it is crazy. That that scene from the nineteen fifties movie of everybody running out of the theater, I feel like that's iconic. Like whether or not you know it comes from the blob, I bet you've seen it. Oh, the clip, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I have questions about Star Jelly. <laughs> 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 like, are you suggesting that like frogs see comets and barf, <laughs> and, no, then, and no. then people find it? <laughs> no, it's just that people f- find stuff in and okay. for some reason, uh, it's, there's been this romanticized notion that if a, a meteor or a comet passing by will lead to star jelly on the ground, so, and so people walk around and they find this this frog stuff. Barf. <laughs> <laughs> like di- digested frog spawn vomited by predators. That's, oh, that's fantastic. Maybe stuff vomited up by birds or animals. Why, um, why haven't we seen this movie? I know, right? <laughs> like, come on. We're sitting on it. We're sitting on a gold mine here. <laughs> There's some type of freshwater uh, blue green algae like called Gnostic. When it's on the ground, it's ordinarily not seen, but after rainfall, it like swells up and becomes this very conspicuous, kind of like greenish, whitish, gelatinous mass that all, people, you know, will often call star jelly. So it's it's a term. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think, <laughs> oh man, where was star jelly when we were naming this podcast? I mean, right. two guys and some star gel such a it's a great name uh yeah but yeah so so this movie (laughs) um i like i said i watched the original just a day or two before i watched this one so i was excited to watch it and when the uh opening credits started first of all the production company i guess was tristar and TriStar has that great intro with the Pegasus that runs towards yeah. you on the screen. TriStar was so cool in the day. Like, you know if you saw that Pegasus, you were in for a good movie. You're in for a treat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, and like, there's the this cool, creepy opening. But I have to admit that I missed the Blob theme song from the original. Yes. I, I, that was maybe my favorite part of the original. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor and through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. <laughs> it's so good. It was really catchy, and like I guess it was a, a hit. And I'm not surprised. It was, it was a bop. Reached like 33 on the Billboard charts that year, <laughs> 1958. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, and it was written by Burt Bacharach. Oh yeah, just kind of nuts. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's great. <laughs> so then we get like a flyover of a small town in the middle of nowhere. Like mm. it almost looks like this is out of a fairy tale or something because it pans in over like this, I don't know, wooded landscape. And then just in the middle of nowhere, there's just this little town. Mm -hmm. 
and I, and and it, then it kind of goes all through the town. It looks like it's deserted. So you're wondering what's going on. I thought it was totally deserted, but everyone's just at the football game. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's kind of a cool fake out. Well, and I was just going to say, I noticed in the opening credits that the screenplay uh, was written in part uh, by Frank Darabont, which I didn't know going in. And he has written good, good movies. Oh, yeah. He, this is one of his earliest. Uh, I think he wrote that. Obviously, this came before Shawshank, yeah. before the Green Mile, before he got so involved in the Walking Dead franchise. Almost everything this guy's written has, has been good. And in this film are some people who end up popping up in some of his later films. But yeah, he did like The Mist and all that. Love Frank Darabont. I yeah, think he's, he's a brilliant writer. Yeah, he's good. And And they put a lot of callbacks to the original in this Mm -hmm. they also made it very tongue-in-cheek in in a way i mean they're just goofy funny there's a bit of black comedy in here it's just fun i mean i don't want to jump the gun here but like i just really enjoyed watching this movie i just thought it was just fun to sit through from beginning to end it's just got a ton of action and and uh it it doesn't take itself seriously but it's got some great gore, amazing special effects, and yeah, you know, some but but some silliness in there as well. So, yeah, I <laughs> I hundred percent agree. It was uh, fun to sit through, and especially if you are familiar with the original, the callbacks are really fun. Like for example, the first guy to find the blob is an old man. Uh, and in the original, he's an old man who like lives in a shack in the woods or something. Yeah, um, and it, it, right. And that cute dog. I love that dog. Uh, and then in this one, he seems like an old vagrant or something, but an old man still. And the way that the blob arrives is it arrives like in this meteor that everybody sees and the old man uh, goes and he finds it and like, I don't know, taps it with a stick or something and uh, it opens up and this, you know, blob, little tiny white blobby thing comes out on the stick. But this scene is like almost shot for shot identical. Uh, from the original. (laughs) And and I really enjoyed that. It was fun. But they also pay tribute to the original, but also surprise you. Um, like yes. like they like they set things up like they're going to be just like the original, but then they surprise you. Like in in the original, you mentioned that it was Steve McQueen, uh, his first movie, and and he's the hero. He's very much like the the jock who's protecting you know the wilting flower of his girlfriend or whatever. Um, and and they set up that here. We've got two young teenagers. Paul, in my notes, I said, Paul is a douchey football player. Um, (laughs) And then uh, Meg, his girlfriend, played by Shawnee Smith, who I have always liked. Shawnee Smith has never been a huge star, um, but I feel like she's been around my whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that the first thing that I remember her from was the movie Summer School. Do you remember that movie? Oh, vaguely. Oh, it was a great movie and horror adjacent because two of the kids in summer school were like super into like special effects and makeup. And so they made all these horror effects and stuff. Great movie. And then she also uh, was a big part of the Saw franchise, which I know you're a fan of. Yeah. Um, And here she's a little tiny baby. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's so cute right like she looks like about five other actresses about this time. yeah kind of like <laughs> she, does. she does kind of a young um i don't know take your pick of the 80s actresses like maybe they all just had the same hair and makeup but uh and she does i mean she's got the long like teased out hair i mean it's very 80s um <laughs> she she's great she's very charming i i really like shawnee smith i'm a big big fan but she's okay so there's the couple like the you know the football player and and the cheerleader and so you expect that it's going to kind of follow the same course as the original which it kind of does but paul ends up being one of the very first victims which that is surprising yeah, yeah it shocked me too <laughs> i've seen this movie before and i was still surprised <laughs> right well it, 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 I mean, it's it's not just different from the blob. It's it's really kind of subverts your expectations for any horror movie ever. Uh-huh. There's always that that's the nice because he's he's jockey, but he's and he's a little douchey, but he's got douchier friends. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. He, he's ultimately kind of a nice guy. There's actually fun, kind of a cute setup in early when he's out with his more douchey guy. Was it a guy <laughs> yeah. named Steve or whatever? I don't know. Uh, 
And I don't know. We'll just call him Steve. And he's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. It's all Steve, Brian, Paul, Jim, John. The whole movie's full of it. (laughs) And he's going into a, it's, it's, it's an old gag, right? But he's going to a pharmacy to buy condoms. And then he runs in to the minister who happens to be there. And so in the presence of the minister, uh, as he's buying the condoms, he basically tries to make it out like Paul is the one buying the condoms because he's got this date coming up, which is true. Paul does have a date, also has a date coming up. And uh, the guy behind the counter basically says, well... He doesn't need a condoms. That boy needs a muzzle. It's disgusting, you know. And then it turns out that the guy behind the counter is Meg's dad. <laughs> so yeah. when Paul we shows find up that to out pick later, him, right? Yeah, yeah. So, it's a funny gag. <laughs> it is. It's, it's as old as dirt, but it's cute, right? And the dude behind the counter is played by um, Art Lafleur. Yeah. He's been in a billion things. Um, I know. He was so familiar to me. I'm sitting here trying to pull up his page. But my computer is so slow. What, <laughs> what do I know him from? I know he's been in so many. He was so familiar. Oh, Field of Dreams, The Sandlot. That's lot. it. The Sandlot. That's the one. He played what? Like uh, Babe Ruth, right? Or something like that? Yeah, yeah. He, was the, yeah, yeah. he was the babe in The Sandlot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. just all over TV and movies. Like, uh, actually, he died in 2021. I, I kind of thought he was still alive, but uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, this guy, uh, this guy's is is very recognizable. There are quite a few people in here actually who are very recognizable. Yeah, the guy who plays the uh, deputy, I really liked him. The that's 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 another mislead from the original. In the original, there's this you know, like sheriff or main cop or whatever, and he ends up being a really pivotal character. And he's another one of the ones that is first to die in this. Um, mm-hmm. And But he's got this uh, deputy, and I don't, uh, I don't remember what his name was. Jeffrey DeMunn. Jeffrey DeMunn is the name is that, of the actor. Well, that, that, that was the sheriff. Oh, sorry. The deputy you're talking about, the redhead. Yeah, his uh, name his name in the movie is uh, Bill, but Paul McCrane is yes. the actor. And I recognize him. I'm sure he's been in a lot, but I recognize him uh, from ER. I actually thought that he was kind of a hilarious character on ER because he was this dude, he was like this asshole doctor that nobody really liked. And then there was like a helicopter accident at the hospital and it chopped off one of his arms. Oh, and gosh. then and then a couple of seasons later <laughs> There, uh, a helicopter crash landed on top of him and he died. Like, that's such a funny storyline. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like a soap opera. <laughs> uh, I loved that storyline. I remember the when the second helicopter crashed on top of him. I remember the shot, like, it's a camera, like, looking down at him from the helicopter's perspective. And, of course, this is network television, so I am sh- i don't remember exactly what he said, but it was basically like, are you fucking kidding me? And that was hilarious! <laughs> so, good job, Deputy Bill. <laughs> nice work. <laughs> he had a... He had a fairly prominent role in RoboCop, but um, he, he was also Guard Trout in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and just like Jeffrey DeMunn, who plays the uh, sheriff uh, in this movie, also had a big role in Shawshank as well. That's right. Um, and then went on to play uh, Dale in The Walking Dead. So, you know, obviously these guys had a bit of, or Frank Darabond anyway, really liked these actors and pulled them along for a number of his projects. I think um, DeMunn was also in The Green Mind. So uh Yes, yes he was. He was one of the guards. Gosh, mm-hmm. I had forgotten that. I recognized him but I hadn't paid attention. Yeah, and and that's there are good actors uh in this mm-hmm. movie. Um and acting and, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's mm-hmm. a silly movie. It's a and it's campy, but Everybody does a good job. I mean, it's, overall it's a good movie. It's shot well. Uh I I really feel like this the special effects are what you want to talk about, I guess. Um, Special effects are insanely good. They hold up today. They're unbelievably Uh, good. Well, they hold up today the blob, like, eating or dissolving or whatever you want to call it, people. That looks fantastic. Other parts of it, like when the blob is great big and it's, like, coming down the street and stuff, it looks hokey, 
And I'm so glad that it does. Like, that's that's what I want it to look like. <laughs> it's supposed it, to look that way, yeah. Right. It looks like an old monster movie. It look When you watch those old Godzilla movies that I know you're a huge fan of, you know it's a guy in a suit. It looks like a guy in a suit. And it... <laughs> That that's kind of what you're there for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and same same thing here. Like, yeah, it looks like they're using models and and toy cars and stop motion, and I love it. Yes. <laughs> I think it looks great. It does. It looks great. And honestly, like, unless you're looking at it really closely, some of these shots are quite quick and you might not even notice that it's a model car. But you know, I'm always looking very intently at this stuff. <laughs> the, the bl- the blob uh, and actually it took me I was so impressed with how they did the blob effects where you know it's crawling over people and dissolving people that I went down a couple rabbit holes I saw some interviews with some of the guys how they did it I was like how in the world did they do this because it's just this amorphous mass and it's veiny it's sort of like multi layered it has l- what look like little bits and pieces of the people that it's dissolved in there. And apparently what they did is they had made these giant silk quilts, essentially these quilts made out of silk, you know, and you know what a quilt where, you know, you kind of sew pockets, you know, yeah, and then they had a team of like <laughs> one guy said they called them the blob rankers, but they were probably maybe even a hundred people who uh, just all they did was fill each of these pockets in that quilt with this, I can't remember what they call it, but this kind of methyl cellulose. It's uh, kind of uh, used to thicken up milkshakes, actually. Yeah. This methyl cellulose dyed different shades of red and purple and stuff. And then they had a whole bunch of these blankets. And, of course, the methyl cellulose would start to seep through the silk so that, you know, it was kind of covered in this. And so you couldn't tell that these were blankets or whatever at all. Uh So they would just kind of layer these kind of over each other, have puppeteers under them. They said it, they weighed like 200 pounds because, you know, Ugh. it's just filled with this crap. And then the puppeteers had mittens on that were sort of like big and blobby, too, so that, you know, their fingers aren't poking through this. And they'd just be under there, like moving it around and, and doing the stuff. Some of these scenes were very elaborate. And you can find some great behind the scenes shots online of, uh, of some of the better ones. Um, there's a scene where this woman gets gets crushed in his phone booth that is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it's such a cool effect. And it made me sad because it's not sad, but it's so fast. Like, yes. I, I wanted to pause it frame by frame because it happens so quickly, but it looks so cool. And the blob at one point gets down into the sewer. So so the blob, you know, this guy's got the blob on his hand. The old guy, yeah. And there's the bad boy. The bad boy's name is... Uh... <laughs> Kevin Dillon. That's hilarious. Kevin Dillon looks like he's like the most badass, long-haired 15-year-old you've ever met. <laughs> he's got this, <laughs> this huge curly mullet down the back. It's a wig. He and Shawnee Smith were both wearing wigs. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's so 80s, and he wears a leather jacket, and he rides motorcycles. Oh. Uh-huh. It's Ke- and it's Kevin Dillon. Oh, the minute his first shot, you know he's the bad guy because he's the 80s bad guy. He's smoking, dumps a beer on the ground that he's just finished drinking. He's got the leather jacket, the long hair, and drives the motorcycle. You you basically checked all the boxes for the Hilarious. bad boy. Hilarious. Yeah. He's so funny. And you know, like you know that he, even though you don't yet know that Paul is going to get eaten by the blob right away, you just know that <laughs> Brian and Meg are destined <laughs> to be together. <laughs> Stupid Paul. <laughs> Paul never had a chance. <laughs> no, he never had a chance. I love it. So Brian, Kevin Dillon, is just kind of chasing this old man. I don't even really understand why. Like, did he also happen to see the meteor or he saw that the old man I, was struck? I don't I know. I don't remember. But all the kids end up together taking the old man to the hospital and they do and there's a hilarious scene where the nurse is totally ignoring them and then just asks about insurance and i don't know why that was so funny to me like i laughed out loud when she was like now how may i help you we've had a car accident this guy needs to see a doctor he has something on his hand too some kind of acid or something does he have blue cross i don't know medical insurance of any kind like (laughs) i about died Oh, God, so funny. But then, uh, like, nobody will see the old man or whatever, 
no doctor because there's only one doctor in the whole hospital and he's very busy talking to some woman in his office. Uh, so <laughs> This is the, the shittiest blo- hospital in the world, by <laughs> the way. It's terrible. One doctor, one nurse. Nobody cares about anything. They're, they seem bothered by this. The, the nurse is a total bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul sees through the window uh, into this old man's room that there's odd movement underneath Under his, his blanket. blanket. I loved that. Oh God, it was so good. And when he walks, it's so this creepy, man turns right? Towards him. Well, right. I mean, even just the movement under the blanket, like because you know what's going on, but oh, because yeah. you can't see anything, it's super spooky. And yeah, that's one of the things that I actually like better about this remake than the original is that they did more. You know, mm. in the original, it's really just kind of a blob that. <laughs> slithers around pulses a little bit yeah kind of like jumps on you sometimes you know (laughs) walk fast you'll probably be okay you're gonna be fine right (laughs) (laughs) but in this one it's really creepy and it it on more than one occasion it like gets inside somebody's body oh yeah and, and you can see it moving around under the skin and like making the body move and that happens here like it First of all, it totally dissolves the whole, like, from the waist down, the old man oh, from the God, waist down. Oh, God, it's so gross. Um, but also, it's, like, under his skin and his face, and you can see it under his cheeks, and his eyes are all white and uh, super, super creepy. And that it happens again later, and the effects are great. One of the things that I... I I think it's a happy accident. You know, you you said that they decided, okay, so this is, like, an inside-out stomach so it's acidic and it dissolves everything that's kind of the only thing that they could come to an agreement on like even while the movie was being made they really weren't entirely clear on what the rules for the blob were like there are no rules for this no what is it what can it do um and i like that because It's different in different scenarios. Like sometimes it's just this, you know, like melting jello that can come under doors and stuff. But sometimes it's fully active, almost like the thing. Oh yeah. Um can shoot out shoot out tentacles and 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 form itself into like a big gaping mouth and it does all of this and and they had considered using CGI but ultimately decided that the technology wasn't advanced enough yet which they were probably right. Oh yeah. Um and so uh they ended up doing it all practical and it looks practical. <sighs> and it's so good. Like honestly if uh if you're a fan of horror and especially if you're a fan of uh practical effects, you have to watch this. Like it's an assignment, and it's not extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> you must. And write a 10-page t- report and, and post it to us. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the effects are so good. And so then, like, right after it kills the old man, um, what's his name? Paul runs to call the police. He gets on the phone, and you're looking at him, and the door that he just came through is open, and it slowly starts to swing closed behind him. And you see that the blob, which is great big now, is uh, on the wall behind him. Um, And then as he's talking on the phone, stuff starts dripping on the desk, and it's like eating away at the desk like it's acidic. And at the very end of his phone call, he looks up and there's the blob up there on the thing and it drops down on him and he screams. And when Meg hears him screaming, she runs in there and this is like the box art. Oh. Like like the blob, like com- he's completely covered by it. And it's 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 almost like the blob is pulling his face back and, and pulling his scal- scalp back as it's uh, dissolving him. And he's screaming and still moving. And, and I read that, you know, like sometimes this was a, 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 like a dummy, but uh, some of the time it was really him under that gelatinous whatever it was. And I, and I guess that for the actor, it was pretty miserable. Like he couldn't breathe under there obviously so anytime that was on his face he was basically suffocating but it looks so good (laughs) and it's even you know there's just a bit of comedy there too like he's reaching out to her and she grabs his hands and as it's the blob is kind of pulling him away from her suddenly his arm comes off (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> she flies backwards with his arm. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and it's gross. Yeah. And it looks very convincing and disgusting. And it's funny. You know, it's yeah. just the notion of it's hilarious. But it is gross. That's why I'm saying, like, in many ways, it feels very kid-friendly. But these effects are, are gruesome. Yes. Um, I mean, these these people are being digested basically uh and and you can see it so their skin is melting away and becoming really sallow and like pulling away from their bones and stuff and like uh you know the blob just keeps going around and it gets bigger and bigger and they had considered in the original movie the blob is pink in this movie they considered changing it to green i don't know why i love the pink they decided to stick with the pink because when it first comes out of the comet, it's clear. It just kind of looks like Vaseline or something. Um, yeah. But it, as it absorbs people, it becomes pink because of the blood, which makes sense. And yeah. I love it. But it keeps getting uh, bigger and bigger. <laughs> One thing, the only thing that I didn't understand about the movie is this. It's in the hospital. But then the next people it attacks are out of town. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, like, I, uh, like it, like Lover's Bluff or whatever. Oh god! And, and, and I really like the scene. I really do like the scene. But like, the blob came all the way from the hospital, way the hell out there, <laughs> and then after it kills them, it's like, oh no, it's getting in the sewer and going to town. Like it was already in town. I don't. <laughs> I don't that's the only part I don't understand. But it's okay because I love that scene <laughs> my interpretation is that there's still a little bit of the blob back at the meteor that's kind of like oh, slinking around somewhere out in the that woods could be well this the douchey guy like we are calling him steve right he's yeah. got a, a girl parked and i also did a double take care that the girl he's got parked is erica aleniak she was familiar but i didn't look her up what was she in one of her very first film roles she was uh, on baywatch um i remember her as the girl from under siege Okay. I had a bit of a crush on her in the in the early 90s, actually. So, yeah, she posed for Playboy and all that. That might have had something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she's in the back, you know, and there's his typical makeout, and <laughs> he gets out of the car to go to the back of the trunk. He's like, oh, but he's pushing her to have sex, right? He's right. like, oh, you know, you're wearing my ring and all that. You know, you're my girl. He goes, you want another, You want something else to drink? She's like, yeah. He goes to the trunk, opens it up. He has a whole mini bar back there. That was <laughs> with, hilarious. With mixers and stuff. He, I mean, he pours a half a cup full of grenadine. I don't know how good this drink's going to be. But <laughs> 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 splashes a little vodka in there and then pulls out like a hand mixer and <laughs> mixes it up. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. And the, the other thing that I loved about this scene is meanwhile – we're getting POV shots from the blob yeah. coming through the tall grass. <laughs> yes. And I feel like that happens maybe one or two more times, but it's great. It, it was so, it was so funny. And like, not only do you see it like coming through the gl- grass towards the car, but then you see it kind of going up into, cause he left his door open. Mm-hmm. Funny. Then he goes back in and again, this dates the movie because I don't think anybody would do this. Uh, right. Not, they wouldn't film this today um but he gets in and he thinks that she's passed out drunk and so he's going to take advantage of while her. he's talking to himself <laughs> yeah talking to himself oh it's so and it's so long it's how does the dog out there tonight vicky it's uh it's a nice blouse <laughs> nice material <laughs> Must be hot though, huh? Yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll do one of these for you. Ah, it's better, huh? Oh no. Oh well. I'll I'm I'm gonna do another one then. Okay. Come on. It's it's really belabored. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting and hilarious. Yeah. And Gross. and then he like he goes to cop a feel. And I'm typing the notes before it even happens. You know what's gonna happen. Like he goes to cop a feel, and of course the blob grabs him, and then her body is like in you know Completely the blob infested. is inside it, and it, it turns towards him and then like implodes. 
Her face caves in. It's crazy. <laughs> looks great. It looks great. It looks Love wonderful. It. And that's when like tentacles come out of her face and stuff and wrap around. Yeah. Her. Like, yeah. It can totally do a tentacle thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he got what was coming to him. And then I don't know. Like there's a whole lot more plot. Like the blob goes back to town. It comes to the restaurant. They're in the, the diner. The, everybody knows. And like it sucks a guy into a pipe. And <laughs> the best part. Oh, you can't just you can't just brush over that pipe one though. That was shocking. <laughs> I love it, I, and you know it's coming from a mile away. That's uh-huh. the great thing about the movie is that it sets it up so deliciously. So you're just full of anticipation. What's going to happen to this guy? <laughs> the dishwashing sink in the back of this diner is clogged, and so the owner gal walks out while the last guy there, you know, finishing up washing the dishes, has a plunger and he can't plunge it. So then he starts. It's like, oh, this is weird. He reaches his hand down in there. It grabs his hand and pulls him through there. And before you know it, his whole head is just completely yanked down this tiny drain. It pulls his whole body down. Yes. Because they that people come in and see it and it's like pulling his l- boots. <laughs> you you know, you describe it. If you put that on paper, I would have just been like, Oh, come on. Like there's no way this is gonna work, right? This is so unrealistic. But the way they film it and the way they do the effects, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's stupid, but it's really, really fun to it really watch. Is. And you know the the diner lady is screaming, and I really liked her, and I was sad she died. She's the one that dies in the phone booth, but oh. I, I lo- it's so great. Like it's the blob, so like completely, you know, envelops the the phone booth that she's in. So it's you know like on all sides and she's holding the door with her foot and she's on the phone to the police station and she says, please, please send the sheriff. Cause they've been like flirty or whatever. And uh, the lady on the other end of the phone is like, he's not here. He went to the restaurant and she looks over and the blob like <laughs> shows her like, like the sheriff's body is all decomposed in it. And like it, like it's plastered up against <laughs> dragged up the glass <laughs> oh and it's i mean it's it's so obviously like a a, a dummy you know it's, it's kind a prop. of but well, but also, it looks great like it yeah. looks the only reason i say obvious is because it's having been partially digested it's really deformed like his yeah. his mouth is really messed up and it like his jaw looks like it's broken the teeth aren't where they're supposed to be that's the only reason that's the only reason i say it's obvious it looks fantastic yeah that shocked me i i I did a double take at that as well i could not believe the sheriff was dead me too just like paul they spent a good quarter of the movie if not a third of the movie really setting these people up for being our heroes and just like that with no warning whatsoever and no fanfare boom they're dead well and him they had set up him and fran the diner lady as like this romantic yes you know deal so i thought you know that they were gonna have this you know romantic happy ending nope they both bite it she the 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 blob eventually just kind of like implodes the phone booth and and like I we already mentioned it, but it, it's so fast. But she's just like crushed in there, and, and mm. you see her. You see her being crushed. It's not like the glass breaks and it cuts away. Like you, you see her body and head being crushed for a split second. They had a full size phone booth for this, and they had a articulated mannequin in there for her for that 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 scene. And then they basically literally did just crush the phone booth on all sides. They had these hydraulic you know compressor guns that just. Pow! Just shoved everything all in there at once, and you see it top down. You see it a little bit from inside, and but then you see it from top down, and it just looks brutal. Yeah. Oh. And and it looks it's it's so fast, but at the same time, it's seamless. Like mm-hmm. you don't have time to register that it's now a dummy. It just it just works really well. Um, and then the blob continues to go around. There's the famous uh, theater scene, which is really fun here. Like there, you know, all these people are in the theater watching a slasher. Did you recognize the projectionist? He looks familiar. Who was it? He was one of the two um, lackeys of the bad guy in the Elvira movie. Oh, no. I didn't recognize him. He did look <laughs> familiar, though. Yeah. Uh, and there's tons of people who look familiar in this. There's also this Dr. Meadows who is, like, in charge of the 
team that's coming in to contain this. And mm-hmm. we find out, and this is different than the original too. In the original, the blob is an alien from outer space. Um, in this movie, we find out that it's actually like a, uh, a weapon, like a biological warfare type deal that was uh, yeah. created by the United States government. And the thing that crashed in their town wasn't a meteor. It was a satellite. Yeah, a satellite or whatever. Yeah, it was a satellite that, uh, yeah, they'd had it up in a satellite circling around, exposed, I don't know, up to the air or whatever, to see what the germs would do up in space and whatnot. And, yeah, it came crashing down. Yeah, well, he's the leader of this, Dr. Meadows. This is an older black gentleman, so familiar, and he's been in a bazillion things. Um, I remember him very specifically from an a very special episode of the Golden Girls where he was a friend of Sophia's, but he had Alzheimer's disease and he forgot her. And it was a very special episode and he was really good in it. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that I'm a huge Golden Girls fan. Only about a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to be, just put it out there. One of the greatest shows ever. And, and he played a very sad Alzheimer's man. <laughs> Joe Seneca. <laughs> Joe Seneca. He died in 1996. Just, just uh, yeah, just less than 10 years after this movie. Just a bum you out. But he's good. And, and, you know, he plays the good, corrupt military guy. You know, eventually uh, Brian, Kevin Dillon, you know, overhears him saying that they, you know, their top priority is containing the blob and the citizens of the town are expendable. Don't care about them. So, so now Brian, you know, has to save the whole town. Now here's the other thing. Okay. So then there's this, I don't know, a bunch of stuff other happens. People get killed, whatever. Now the blob is great big and it's chased people out of the theater and it's chasing them down the street, like towards town's hall. And this is like the Godzilla moment where it's the big monster and it's chasing everybody and the military's there and they're shooting it with machine guns and nothing is working. And it's like overturning cars and there's explosions and all this stuff. And it gets um, everybody into like town hall and Shawnee, like this one military guy, they're all in like hazmat suits, the military guys. One of them shoots at it with a flamethrower. And the flames don't have any effect on it, but the blob shoots out a tentacle into the barrel of the flamethrower <laughs> so that it explodes and sets this guy on fire. Shawnee Smith, who is the real hero of this movie, um, sees this guy on fire and grabs a fire extinguisher and puts him out, drawing the attention of the blob, which then goes to attack her. And having nothing else at her disposal, she shoots it with the uh, fire extinguisher. extinguisher. And it recoils. So she realizes that it's the extreme cold that it can't handle. Then we immediately cut to Brian stealing... A artificial snowmaker? Yeah. <laughs> How did he know? Oh, that was set up earlier. Remember when because he came by to... Because of the refrigerator to, thing? When he came by to... Um, early in the in the movie when he tries to jump... Uh, when we're first introduced to him, he tries to jump a jump with his motorcycle and fails and breaks it and leaves it in the woods. And then he comes back into his buddy at the mechanic shop um, and asks him for uh, the, his ratchet set, remember? And the dude in the mechanic shop happens to mention, oh, yeah, well, you know, you better bring it back because I got two of these big snow machines that I, uh, I've i got to repair. Because the town, and again, they, they make mention of this a couple times early on in the movie that it's a skiing town. And it's pretty soon oh. the snow the snow people are going to be in for the, uh, in there. and so he even pulls a couple beers out of the snow that they've got in the snowmaker. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a blink-and-you-miss-it kind of thing. I looked at it, and I was like, having seen the original, having known that cold is the thing, I was like, all right, well, clearly that snow machine's going to be coming in soon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he drives it into the town and, like, crashes it. Like, like he drives it directly into the blob. I don't know what his... I don't know what his plan was. (laughs) I don't think he really thought that through. He's trying to blast it with snow, but he kind of gets out of control and just takes over pretty fast. And this is when, you know, there's lots of blob on cars and trucks, and it's obvious that these are like toy cars and stuff. It's still super fun. But um, when he crashes the truck, uh, I was going to say Shawnee Smith, Meg sees, and she comes out to help him, 
and somehow like god i don't even what does she do she She gets on the liquid nitrogen canister right and sticks a bomb and they have like these little bomb things in there but as she leaps off of it her foot gets caught so she's hanging off by the side and it's up to uh uh, Brian to come over. That and- part was so funny to me because she's on. This is on a street, and she's on top of this tanker that's overturned of like liquid nitrogen or whatever. She nose dives off of it. Like yes, what? Why? What was she? What was she? <laughs> thinking was going to happen like thank god she was tangled up in that cord right. otherwise she would have just face planted right on the pavement <laughs> you're absolutely right <laughs> but anyway brian comes and like gets her foot out and uh the liquid nitrogen tank explodes and immediately like freezes and calcifies the blob and it's you know just all these tiny crystals. little bits yeah, which is different. I, I I actually liked in in the original that like it just froze whole and then they <laughs> airlifted it via helicopter to the Arctic. Yes. I love I love that. I love that ending. This one's a little bit anticlimactic with a big uh, with a big animated question mark at the end. Yes, the end <laughs> question mark. I love that. Del Close, who played the priest. In this yeah. one, um, who we barely mentioned, but kind of comes in here at the end. He is a comedic actor, and he has been in Chicago. For, well, he's he's not alive anymore, but he had been in Chicago for most of his career training Dan Aykroyd, Chris Farley, John Favreau, John Belushi, Gilda Radner. I mean, Tina Fey. The list goes on. Um, this man was basically a, a coach for comedians. John Candy, Stephen Colbert. Mm. bill murray like all these people like um you know he's basically their teacher and uh he was talking about the original he was quite convinced that the original was a metaphor for the red scare which was going on at that time Mm -hmm. big red blob comes through um and then at the end of the movie they the red scare or this threat of communism or whatever never goes away right it just uh it just uh lingers so you you can't kill it you just have to drop it off at the Arctic, but it's always in danger of being reborn and thawed out again later in the future, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this movie, I don't think, tries to make those kind of political points, but it does end on a more ambiguous note. Yeah, like that's what I was going to ask you. It's, inter- it's, it's ironic that you brought up this Reverend Meeker, because that's what I was going to ask you about. Because they say, oh, we better get it in the freezer before dawn or something. Like, okay, whatever. Um, mm. But then this guy, this priest, who's just kind of been, like, wandering around the whole movie, like, casually observing the blob, like, oh, there it is again. Like, <laughs> weird. Um, here at the end, like, he's been hurt somehow he's been burned or something on one side of his face so after like it seems like the movie's over then there's another scene which like yeah. a religious revival is that him yeah, is that him. okay yeah. I, I i thought so but he looks different like he he's taken off his clerical collar he's got long hair he's all sweaty and weird yeah the only his re- face I, is messed up yeah and so his wounds have healed, but he's scarred. I thought it was him. I just wasn't sure. And he's like leading this religious revival. And then he goes back like into the back of the tent, like in the, his private area. And a lady comes back and she's like, when reverence, the day of reckoning, how far off? Soon, madam. Soon. The Lord will give me a sign. And he holds up a jar that's got a piece of the thought-out living blob in it. Like, he's one day going to release it for the Day of Reckoning or whatever. That was so weird. That was so random. Such a weird ending. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little jarring, right? He gets those pieces. He somehow ends up at the diner. Um, shortly after the couple leaves, and they had retreated into a 
like the the, the refrigerator cooler. yeah the refrigerator uh-huh. so the blob had tried to kind of come under the fridge but then it did a bit of a retreat right um, but i guess during its retreat little few bits of it crystallized and the priest came through and just saw the aftermath of all this and looked on the ground and was interested enough in these tiny little pink crystals or whatever that he picked them up and put them into a jar knowing not at all what they were or what it was about or anything and then you're right you don't see him again for any of the rest of the movie maybe pops up once or twice he's there like in the big finale in the street he's there i think that's but he doesn't i feel like he never even interacts with any of the other characters like he's just hanging around all the time in the rampaging scene he's like ranting and raving like oh the end of the world is nigh oh this is a sign from god or whatever so it feels like they just kind of tried to shoehorn that in yeah. as kind of a shock gotcha ending by throwing a little bit of that in there. I, I, I was kind of under the impression, based on the fact that his eye was milky white and the side of his face was kind of messed up and scarred, that maybe some of the blob had gotten into him too. Maybe. And was controlling him a little bit? I don't know. I don't know. know. Was, I don't know, but ultimately... I like this movie. It's cute. I don't love oh, I it. Like it. I, I loved it. <laughs> I don't love it. I think it's fine. I think it's fun. I think it's a really fun movie, and it's not boring. It moves pretty fast. There's so much about it, like the, so many, so much of the story, so many of the scenes are really campy, and I'm here for it. Like, good. <laughs> like, that, but not fun. This is an old school monster movie, and I, I, I'm down. And yet, not overly campy, right? Not like. I mean, I thought it was just the right amount. I mean, it was—it's just could... tongue in cheek, right? Yeah. Like it's—it's—it's it's, it's not over the top stupid, that which which is fine too, you know, in in some circumstances. But this isn't that. It's, yeah, you're right. It's not that over the top. It's more tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek, wink, wink. But they play it pretty straight. Well, Chuck Russell, the director of this, came right off of Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. Yeah, which Frank Darabont had a. Movie had a hand in writing as well. And so, you know, it's got a little bit of that in it. He went on from that to do The Mask and a, a few other things. So, like, he kind of went off. I don't know why, I, as I was watching this movie, I just kept thinking about The Fly too. It felt like it had a little bit of that same vibe to it. Mm. And Darabond actually were, uh, wrote the screenplay for that as well. But, yeah, I just felt it had a similar kind of feel. And, I mean, I know you love The Fly too, but I think that's also because you have a Oh, lot that's of nostalgia. Yeah, that's nostalgia, not quality. Yeah. <laughs> I thought this movie was way more entertaining. And I think this movie works as a action movie, really. more. I mean, there's cool action scenes in yeah, here, too, yeah. where they're in the sewer and she's dangling and it's, it's tr- trying to get her. Then she falls in and she's got to escape. I love it that this guy inexplicably has his motorcycle in the sewer. <laughs> oh, he, the motorcycle in the sewer scene was the best. I can't believe right? I forgot about that. Oh my god! There's a whole motorcycle stunt where he has to like ride up on the side of the tunnel to get past the blob. Oh, that was fantastic! I'm so, so glad cool. you remembered to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Also, I love movie sewers. Like they're enormous. Somebody needs to give me the tour of a sewer or, uh, of a very small town like this one and convince me that it's giant and cavernous everywhere. <laughs> right, like with like 15 foot high ceilings. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Huge pipes just <laughs> and all the water is clear. There's not a not a single bit of waste floating around in there. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You're right. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good remake. I, I I say that this is one where the remake was justified. Uh yes. and I, I think that it was done right at the right time. You know, the the late 80s, right before CGI took over the world. Because, you know, this could be remade with CGI and probably will be at, at some point. And I, I'll reserve judgment. Who knows? You know, they, people can do great things with CGI. But I feel like this... Um, was made right at the right time. It's it's a great callback to this to the story of the original, but even more so the style of the original and other movies like this. These B monster movies that were drive-in fare, matinee fare, you know, for our dad's generation. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, just a, an excellent callback that really, really for me, it really works. I, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but it really works for me. Oh, I just thought it was fun from start to finish for a yeah. lot of different reasons. The slight campiness, the tongue-in-cheek humor, the, the throwback to the 50s, the great special effects, the action, and the surprises that they yeah, threw into yeah. the plot. 
totally subverting your expectations at moment. I mean, there was a lot of thought that went into the writing of this movie. And it followed a trend of the times, I think. They were remaking a lot of old monster movies at this time. I think The Thing came out uh, about five or six years before this. Um, the Fly remake was around this time. The Stuff, you know, uh-huh. which is very similar to The Blob, yeah. was just a couple years before this. So, like, uh, it was definitely following a trend, and I'm kind of surprised that it didn't do as well at the box office. It was very disappointing, and I think that the explanation that the filmmakers have is just it was a tough summer like they were up against a lot of other big movies and uh tristar whatever didn't end up investing too much into Hmm. um advertising for it so it kind of got buried Hmm. it didn't even make back its whole budget i think its budget i don't know the budget's hard to nail down like in imdb it just says 10 million but uh, i've read that it was at least 20 million and, and half of that was simply special effects um, but it didn't even make back uh, eight, I think, million uh, on box office. So b- bit, d- bit of a disappointment. But apparently the VHS cover art propelled it forward and it did quite well on home video and rental. So, Oh, I vividly, I so vividly remember that cover oh, art yeah. in, in the video store. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's simple. It's just, you know, one frame from the movie. But, but the best one, frame. One of the best ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Just find us online. Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast is all you need to Google to get our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Chainsaw Podcast. Please consider uh, becoming a fan of the show, a patron. Spend a little bit of money uh, every month and get access to a bunch of extra features. We do a couple mini-sodes every month write up some reviews, uh, do a lot of behind-the-scenes discussion, and as in this month, we poll our patrons, and they're the ones who really shape the show and tell us what requests we're going to decide to do, and in this case especially, what theme month we're going to do. So we actually have more remakes coming for you throughout the rest of February. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. (laughs) 